Any hotel management student or culinary student in India knows what broccoli asparagus is. Yeah. But if you ask them what what is forchi, they're like for what? I'm around 100 kilos of chocolate every single day, and more than 100 kilos of sugar every day. I'm a pastry chef, and sugar is my bread and butter, and jam and Nutella. But I've decided to take those layers off with my brand new show. I'm talking to fellow chefs, entrepreneurs, my friends, and mentors about the blood, sweat, and all the other ingredients that go into making it in the food industry. I'm Pooja Dingra, and you're listening to my podcast, No Sugar Coat. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Chef Thomas Zacharias from the Bombay Canteen. Trained at the Culinary Institute of America, Thomas worked in New York before he moved back to India. And if you follow him on Instagram, you'll know all about his experiments with local Indian food. So, guys, uh, Thomas doesn't remember meeting me. This is <laughs> very <laughs> for the first time. This is very disappointing because I was all like, "Yeah, I'm going to start this conversation with about how we met." And he's like, "Wait, when did we meet? We met at Olive. You don't remember this at all." Yeah, because I was insignificant to you. Oh, <laughs> and I'm the one who remembers this, and you don't. No, I remember. It was a. I reminded you basically a rainy July evening. Was it? In no, just <laughs> randomly making it up. <laughs> It was um so basically there was an event which got I think this was 8 years ago can't be 8 years ago I moved here 7 years ago see you just made this up 7 years ago it was 7 years ago you had just moved back <laughs> okay so you then 7 just, years ago you would you had just moved back I remember because um so it was also you know I, I think I had started low 15 just we were a year into low 15 and um this was one of the first times that people were like okay let's bring all these chefs together and we we'll do an event and we were at this event and I had a little 15 counter and I had raspberries yes and you we were like oh my god where do you get raspberries and that's how we started talking but he doesn't remember any of this <laughs> so you had just come back from culinary school yeah i had uh, i was in new york for 3 years uh, studied so there and then jealous. came back from working there from working there yeah and tell me about it like what was what were you doing there how did you reach there like Just so before culinary school abroad, I studied in India. I did my hotel management, like uh, any self-respecting. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, at, back back in that back in the day, it was seen as a very uh, like not cool thing to do. Yeah, this was uh, and when you know, fifteen years ago. <laughs> but um, yeah, but even fifteen years ago, like being a chef wasn't like a not at all in fact profession. No, in fact, uh, it was looked down upon, and usually kids who didn't do well in school. uh or didn't get through engineering colleges were so end up so i i didn't well in school <laughs> that was my part but you i know were a genius you were not like, a genius but uh, i did well in school yeah, and i was a geek and i was yeah. a nerd i still am kind of yeah. um to the point where my folks said okay we'll we are open to the idea but for your plus 2 you're going to do go for iit coaching which mm-hmm. i did and mm-hmm. i took science wow. uh but i i was just convinced I and mean, then they in fact trying to give me a real sense of the industry they introduced me to people from the industry uh, hoping that they'll change your mind <laughs> yeah and they all said don't do it yeah. every like single one of them don't do it yeah but every single one of them said you're going to be married to your job you won't have any sense of uh, social life mm-hmm. the pay is not mm-hmm. going to match them one of us but then uh, yeah. don't do it but i mean i guess i was stubborn and i yeah. was still like super passionate and i couldn't imagine doing anything because like everything else was so boring finished, to me so you finished you finished your what 12th standard and then you went to manipal, manipal uh, for hotel management um and uh, there was those four incredible years um during which i there's 
training involved mm-hmm. in hotels because back in the day there weren't really standalone restaurants to yeah. go and train in um, but, the, but the hotel management course must have taken you through all different departments right not only yeah. it wasn't only like a chef's course because it, back in the day it didn't, it, exist. It didn't exist either yeah. um and so you did housekeeping and front desk cleaned a lot of toilets <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh waited on tables yeah. things like that but the reason i actually got into cooking is because okay like most chefs uh influenced by their grandmothers yeah. but for me it was like every time i saw her cook and people at the dining table were just incredibly happy yeah um and i wanted that immediate sense of gratification that like you can actually see how your work yeah. is impacting and like you how to bring joy to someone's uh, lives is so I, i remember you tell me this so the first time you cooked something was with your grandmom yeah and then so i grew up in kerala in cochin and uh, every weekend was spent with uh, at the grandmother's place and uh, all summer holidays all of that so and all our conversations every day revolved around food uh, and i grew up just like hanging out with her in the kitchen mm-hmm. and watching her cook and um she was incredible and she was in fact uh ran her own catering business oh, really uh she really loved to cook not just traditional recipes but also experiment so she would collect uh these old recipes from magazines uh yeah. back in the 70s and she bound them into books which i still have to this yeah, day yeah. uh it's incredible and uh, so that's where i got that passion for cooking and uh, but when i eventually went to train in hotels in india i realized that like all that passion was sucked out like the, it was like a soul sucking experience where people didn't really care there was like negativity in the air there was politics and all of that and i was like this can't be it there has to be uh, a different side to it uh, which is why i decided that i wanted to go abroad and study okay. further so so I, that, it, it, there was never a point when you were doing this and imagine you know like we know how it is when you're training and you're training in a like my worst stories are from my internship in hotels that's like dark days but when you're there and you're like doing this there's at no point did you think like or doubt this like am i doing the right thing like is this for me but you were just like i want to go study abroad like what was that no absolutely uh many times uh and there's something i tell cooks applying to our restaurants as well is that especially in those first few years you go through several uh moments where you doubt whether either yeah. you want to be doing this for the rest of your life or whether you're cut out for it yeah um i wasn't the best cook in my class hmm. um i didn't get through even like a first round of like the hotel interviews um but something in me just wanted to again going back to the reason why i wanted to become a chef uh i wanted to be different and be hopefully get that same sense i was i, I guess i was craving that uh response and that so gratification so you never changed your love for cooking the the, the not the just yet i was I, mean, i was a hopeful kid yeah, who during that <laughs> believed stage, yeah. to the positive side of things and then how did you choose your school you went to cia and so uh, one of our professors his name is uh, chef tiru had had been sending uh, kids to our students to uh, culinary school in new york yeah. and uh, at the time and i still think so it's one of the best culinary schools in the world mm. uh, there's a culinary institute of america in hyde park in new york um and he basically picked his favorite students and said okay i'm going to coach you and you know send you there yeah. so that's how that happened uh once i got there it was just like a dream come true it was for me like reaching there and seeing like just the ingredients was yeah. so different uh like i had never seen an asparagus before 
I you know, know. Uh, and <laughs> the so, first yeah the first time i also saw some salad i was like wait what is yeah. this <laughs> so the cia uh, as it's known in short mm-hmm. has this uh, like the storeroom where they keep all their produce all the ingredients and i would just spend hours there just looking at everything and it was it was amazing and cia is like this wonderland where there's 52 kitchens on campus there's yeah. 2300 students and it just revolves around food there's nothing else um Yeah. And, then, and then after you finish school you get a chance to do an internship or a job or No so after you finish school with your visa you can work for a year yeah. um now a lot of my batchmates uh went to smaller towns or other cities but I realized that I have an opportunity to work in, in any of the best restaurants so yeah. I applied at like five of the best restaurants in uh, New York City yeah. um and I had this book uh called on the line by chef eric repair hmm. where he talks about the his philosophy how the kitchen is run and uh if you read that book there's no way you won't fall in love with the kitchen and uh, so i knew everything about the kitchen before actually, actually going, going there, there. Yeah. uh so i applied there and they hired me and uh, for the next year i i spent in this incredible three star michelin french seafood restaurant uh, where uh, and the crazy thing about the restaurant is um and i realized it only later on because uh uh with my travels i've eaten in a few three star mm-hmm. michelin restaurants and most of them are smaller uh cozier feed about maybe 60 to 80 people a day uh this is a restaurant that feeds about 300 wow so you're talking about that level of cuisine uh at that volume and trying that so what is the difference between a, a normal kitchen and then the, this three star like what was it that used you- Um I guess it's the biggest difference is everybody thinks it's the creativity but I yeah. think the biggest difference is the consistency. Yeah. Um, discipline. That discipline and making sure that every single plate of food is perfect. Yeah. Uh and not settling for any less. And that's what that kitchen really taught me. Um And this is like a seafood heavy sort. Yeah. Spot. This is strictly seafood and they it's a very minimalistic style of cooking which is something I've grown to adopt as well. Where uh you don't think about what to add, you think about what to remove and mm-hmm. uh, to the point where the dish doesn't change if you remove a certain ingredient um okay. but ultimately the flavors need to sing and it needs to be delicious food so did you get to work with a chef when you were there like with eric himself or yeah so the, the way the lebanonian kitchen runs is that uh, no matter what experience you come from you start at the bottom you start with uh, let's say a very french style of running a kitchen where you start at the bottom and you work your way up yeah um i interacted with him a fair bit but it's only when you get to like a sous chef level that you actually uh, get to interact personally with him um but uh, yeah i was there for a year i rotated through about four stations um and eventually at the end of that year my visa ran out and i had to take a call whether i wanted to stay back or mm-hmm. uh come back to india and i just decided decided i wanted to come back Yeah, why? why? <laughs> I still I still ask myself that question. Because my mom had to get when I was in Paris, my mom had to literally get on a plane and be like, "I'm going to bring you back because I'm not sure you're going to get on that plane because I was just so happy." And obviously in Paris, like, you know, with the best chocolate, the best butter, all of that. I mean, I obviously today 8 years, 9 years later, I'm thrilled that I made that issue, yeah. but when you're at that age and at that like what is it that made you decide that I'm going to go back? Um, I still like ask myself exactly what it was i think it was a combination of just wanting to i knew that eventually i wanted to come back yeah. and kind of build my career here mm-hmm. um and um i i kind of obviously missed home a little bit i craved being around uh just just being in india i had been away for 3 years uh, i knew that 
there was a lot more that could be done in India than opposed mm-hmm. to abroad. Uh, and I just yearned to come back to India. Um, I actually, I mean, I keep going back and thinking about why exactly. <laughs> I, I haven't really figured it out. Uh, if I, if you ask me today. We are, uh, we are all very happy that you came back. Uh, if you asked me today, I probably would have stayed back. But at that moment, yeah. that, that's the decision mm-hmm. I took. And, uh, and yeah, so like you said, better for it. Yeah. So you <clears> came back and you decided and then do you like apply for jobs or I know you worked at all. Yeah. So this is again, uh, I came back in 2010. So yeah. eight years ago. Um, and uh, coming back to India in 2010, uh, having worked in a three-star Michelin restaurant. You said you came back seven years. You're such a liar. That means I was right when I said eight years no, ago. No, <laughs> I, I didn't come back immediately to Bombay. Okay, I'll explain. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I came back and coming back to India after a three-star mm. Michelin experience, um, you are kind of like <laughs> not spoiled for choice anymore. <laughs> um, but like not a, just in terms of, the, I wasn't looking for a like a fancy kitchen. I was looking for people with the same sensibilities. And I just spent like six months not uh, finding anything. So um, you were back home or? Ironically, uh, like I was after, after, at the end of this, in about five, six months, I got so desperate. I took up a job as a head chef in a small Indian restaurant, which is opening no. up in Bangalore. <laughs> Uh, literally, and and I haven't told people the story because, <laughs> I mean, it it was like a blip. Uh, I spent one month there and realized such a stupid thing for me to do because I, there was still so much more for me to learn. Mm. Um, and at that point, I was still interested in Western what cooking. What is this place called? It doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Uh, and like it's all your fault. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, I yeah the the owner didn't have a vision either and I I yeah. literally walked out of the door saying bye uh, yeah <laughs> this is not going to work out yeah. um and then I happened to uh, meet chef Manu Chandra yeah. who's also a CIA graduate hmm. uh, who had uh, come back about 5 years prior to that and uh, started working with Olive and uh, as soon as I met him I knew that the sensibilities were the same and he was somebody I could uh, work and he grow under. Olive Bangalore? Yeah, so I started in Olive Bangalore. Um, and about five months in, he thought I would make a good sous chef in Bombay. And he moved me here. Um, in retrospect, I still think it was too soon for me to become, become a sous chef. Mm. Um, Why? And this is the advice I give uh, students today. Because I only, at that point, only had about maybe like four, three or three or four years of experience. Hmm. Um, that's not enough and maybe in like three different restaurants that's not enough experience for someone to become a sous chef I think but kids today want to get out of culinary school and want to become sous chef chef, yeah Um, so it's I I feel every time I tell somebody uh, Mm. give that advice to someone in in the back of my head I'm like I did the same thing (laughs) Um, but but moving to Bombay about seven years ago (laughs) taught me a lot Um, it was my first time like outside uh, living anywhere in South India, I hardly knew any Hindi, mm-hmm. um, so I had to learn that as well. Um, but I fell in love with the city as soon as I moved here because I uh, I came here and I sent like there was so much positive energy here. It reminded me of New York. Yeah, um, it's got that same uh, rush that you feel every day. Um, and uh, yeah, I was thrown in the deep end, told to run this kitchen. And you had all your Mondays off and you would go sing karaoke. On actually, actually, karaoke was when I first fell For in love with the city. For everybody who doesn't know this, uh, Zach is a great singer. And I think if, if the cooking ever fails, I think he can... Or he, let's not say that. Let's just say it can go in parallel. I wouldn't call myself a great singer. Uh, I had a band back in college. Well, we wouldn't know until you don't sing for us. <laughs> I, mean. I had a band back in college... Uh, 
very amateur very average what band what is it called uh, it's called oxum bliss oh i'm so glad <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad food happened to you <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah i guess i love the thrill of just like being in front of a crowd like i would have stage fright anywhere else yeah. but when i got on stage to sing i was just, just like, like so happy um but yeah that obviously didn't yeah. go anywhere so 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 karaoke became a big part of your bombay life right because you yeah. were there every monday like everybody knows you you're like a star and, and for the first like several months i didn't take a day off because i'm i'm i used to be this perfectionist uh, like obsessive mm-hmm. ocd who i wanted to like make sure the, like the kitchen was run perfectly and uh, but on monday nights i would leave a little early i would leave by like around 10 or 11 and go very close by to a, a bar and for karaoke and that's when i made my first friends uh, yeah. some of whom were still my closest friends yeah. but i only see at karaoke <laughs> um, it's this whole underground scene there yeah and religiously every monday every monday everybody's um, there but i saw people being so friendly like you could randomly just walk up to anyone and start a conversation and um outside work that is my only social life uh, still i think <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh so so then Olive happened and you're like okay I'm here and you were Olive for what 3 years? Or? About 3 and a half years. Um half a year in Bangalore and then about 3 years in Bombay. And I I remember this this time like we were having this discussion you you were you know thinking of what to do next and you know and then you decided that I'm going to go travel yeah, and go on so, this this break. And what was that? You were like in a in a Yeah, so one uh, I was still uh, really into European food but then I realized that i was cooking like all these cuisines which and i had never traveled to those places so it's just based on things that i had learned from culinary school or little experiences in different restaurants but so i i th- i thought it was kind of silly uh and i needed a break as well i'd been working uh, my ass off for like a long time so i decided to take a sabbatical i took about 4 months off travel to 36 towns and cities in france italy and spain spend all my life savings <laughs> i still uh, remember you planning this trip yeah. you were like you're know, going to france and here and there and uh, how did you pick like you just so i i wanted to get a sense of like different like styles of cuisine in each country so i so mapped there, there was a science behind yeah, so it wasn't yeah, just like yeah. randomly like I, like i said i'm a geek so <laughs> i i did a lot, a lot of research um and back in the day I didn't have a social media following so I couldn't crowdsource my recommendations <laughs> so it was just me uh, but I couchsurfed my way through yeah. so I stayed for free everywhere but I also stayed with locals and uh, again cooked with them and see as a boy you can do these things and get away with it <laughs> no so and incidentally I cooked them indian food because usually with couchsurfing you kind of gift them something but uh, I didn't have much money because I spent mm-hmm. it all on food so I cooked them indian food nice. again at a time when I had never cooked indian cooking food professionally food, yeah. before um but what i realized on the trip was that one it dawned on me that i was spending all this time money just traveling around europe that i hadn't done the same in india uh, i hadn't traveled anywhere in india i hadn't explored the food and uh, it it dawned on me when everybody has said that you know we've not explored our own countries yeah and uh, i was almost a little ashamed yeah <laughs> um and that's when i started thinking a little bit about uh, and i said okay maybe the next chance i get i'll come back and travel in india and um, thanks to like a last minute cancellation i got uh, a reservation at osteria franciscana mm. uh, that's currently world's best restaurant currently right? the world's best restaurant i think back then it was number 2 or number 3 yeah. um and uh, again this it's this 
not very large restaurant in Modena, which is a tiny town where balsamic vinegar comes yeah. from. That's the first episode of Chef's Table. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Chef Massimo Bottura. And uh, again, I was a single diner, uh, <laughs> spending like a lot of money did in the you, restaurant. Did you do the full food and wine or did you just yeah, do... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, I did nice. the full food and wine. And uh, what's amazing is that it's still almost run like a mom and pop place where uh, Chef Massimo and his wife come out and talk to every table. Wow. Um, and then he comes out and he starts talking to me. Uh, obviously, they, they give a little more attention to single diners because you, they, you know I'm like lonely and like, <laughs> eating by myself. Uh, and he starts talking about like what his inspirations were and how he was... Uh, and what he said, like I was inspired by my grandmother and what I'm trying to do is like promote local cuisine from Modena and around yeah. uh, which is when I kind of had an epiphany like mm. I was like shouldn't I be kind of doing the same I have this amazing cuisine uh, yeah. from my state in Kerala um, and uh, I was inspired by my grandma much, much like him so I said okay I'm going to go back and start thinking about uh, I, I, I immediately I still have those notes in my phone where I started jotting down like modern Kerala recipes and uh, ideas and things like that and uh, I came back uh, and I couldn't stop thinking about it um, and this was around the same time that uh, my current business partners and founders of the Bombay Canteen yeah. uh, were looking for a chef. So it almost happened. Stars like, aligned yeah, and everything uh, just fell into Serendipitously. Yeah. Um, five minutes into the interview, uh, so the partners are Samir Seth, Yash yeah. Banage and uh, Chef Floyd Cardos from New York. Um, and five minutes into meeting Samir and he explained the concept and I was sold. Uh, like, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Uh, and, and obviously, you. I didn't think that I would get the job <laughs> because uh, I was this European trained chef. Uh, back yeah. then, I was still a sous chef uh, and they were looking for a head chef role. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. But you weren't afraid that this is like unknown territory, like you haven't ever... Oh, I was very afraid. <laughs> and uh, they asked me to cook them a, uh, an Indian inspired meal for yeah. them. Um, and... Obviously, they told me the concept of how they want to look, use local produce yeah. and things like that. And I just went to the local market um, and I suddenly felt like this small because I, I was suddenly looking at these local vegetables and I had not cooked Why? with any of them. I, for Do you know the names of them? I, I kind of knew some <laughs> of the names because I grew up eating a lot yeah, of them. Yeah. But I'd never cooked with any of them. And suddenly I was like, what have I been doing as a chef yeah. all this time? Um and uh, again, like that, I still remember walking through the market. And again, I bought a whole bunch of uh, vegetables back and started like experimenting. Uh, and eventually made them a 12 course meal. Uh, an India inspired meal uh, with food from different parts or inspirations from different parts mm-hmm. of the country. Uh, just based on maybe things that I'd eaten or some recipes I learned in college. Is anything from that still on the menu? Did uh, I make the Bombay Candy menu? No, actually, um, we've done some along the way, um, but currently no. Um, and I thought the meal went okay. Um, but I guess so I set it up in this, uh, friend's home, which was like this, uh, sea facing Carter Road apartment. So they were impressed by that. <laughs> Plus I had like full detailed plans and timelines and everything yeah. printed out like you saw today. <laughs> um, let's and, not talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I guess they, they were more impressed by that and, uh, I got the job. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. But as soon as I got the job, I realized, how am I going to do this? <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. Which is when it struck me again that, I should travel. Yeah. Uh, so I took a two months, traveled to about 18 to 20 different places around India. That's crazy. Um, alone. Just alone. 
uh, the same same way I did in Europe. Uh, pick different regions with different culinary styles. In India, you can travel fifty kilometers and have a different, yeah. completely different experience. Um, but not south, uh, east, northeast even. Uh, and again, I was blown away. Yeah, I remember away. your Instagram from the time that you were traveling. I hated you. I think you were the only person following me back then. <laughs> um, but mm. everywhere I went, yeah. like the ingredients, the flavors. I'd never seen any of that food in restaurants yeah. anywhere in the country. No, I still remember when. So you did this secret supper dinner um, mm-hmm. just before Bombay Canteen opened. Which we did three. Which one did you come to? I came to the one at Kanu's house. Oh in yes, Tawadeva. that was the first one we did. Yeah, and it was beautiful because I had this drumstick soup, soup. <laughs> and I was just like, I hate drumstick. Like every time yeah. I see it in my sama, I'm like, I hate this. I don't want to eat this. But that <laughs> soup was so good that I have like annoyed you and made you come to my kitchen and teach me how to make it. I completely lost the notes and never made it. It was too complicated. But yeah. that soup, I still remember it, you know. And yeah. it was so that was actually, we, we tried to, concept we were trying to execute. Uh, nobody had ever done it before. Yeah. So we didn't know how it would be received. So we did this series of secret dinners in Bombay. One was in someone's home. The second one was in a school. Yeah. Um, just to get a feel for how people reacted. And obviously the response was amazing. Um, but we, we didn't tell anybody that we were opening a restaurant. So, so no, I mean like, so how did... So then what was the early days of Bombay Canteen like? Because when you're opening an Indian restaurant, you know how it is like even for my parents at that point when you have to go out to eat, you either do like Bukhara or you go to like really like to eat the the meat stuff. But yeah. if you tell them like, oh, I'm going to go somewhere and they're going to give me Dhokla Cha. Yeah. Like what was... We, it is mostly, it was a lot of mixed reactions. I mean, there were a lot of people who really uh, took to it immediately. But again, like you said, uh, a lot of... Uh, People came and said, okay, this is the kind of food I can get at home. Mm-hmm. Why would I come to a restaurant and eat it? But it's really not the kind of food you can get at yeah. home to begin it's, with. So, again, it's you would be, we did tepla tacos, right? Yeah. Uh, now, again, we got a lot of uh, like uh, flack from a certain community that said that, you know, how can you put meat on tepla? Yeah. Um, but it, somehow it worked. Yeah. And what we were trying to do is uh, kind of, uh, instead of, uh, reinventing traditional recipes which everybody eaten before is kind of exploring those other other ones yeah. that no one spoke about. Um, so a lot of mixed reactions in the middle. Uh, in the beginning, I think uh, a lot of people didn't understand what we were trying to do. Yeah. Um, a lot of we, the vegetarians were like... Yeah, and the vegetarians mm-hmm. were like, there's too much meat on this menu. Yeah. Which we kind of listened to and kind of made it a yeah. 50-50. Uh, but... Um, I think people warmed up to it. Um, we kind of stayed true warmed to Warmed up? I mean, you can't get a reservation. <laughs> like, I have to use, like, I have to call Samir and you have to be like, guys, I need a table. And they're like, we can't do anything about it. So we I mean, stayed true to our philosophy. Yeah. And also, the Bombay Canyon was never just about the food. No. Uh, from day one, we wanted it to be the entire experience. So, every touch point, whether it's the drinks, the service, the ambience, the way we make people feel, we wanted people to feel yeah. welcomed. And, and this is actually what I want to talk to you about. Because every time I come there, I want to poach your entire team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, can you please come work with me? No, it's like, and I've told Yashan Sami this, like, I want to go and learn how you guys do your training. Like, what is, what's the secret? Like, how, how do you do this? The secret is you, you teach them things that you would want to have been taught uh, if you were <laughs> in their place, you know, yeah. like we've all been through, uh, risen through the ranks and worked in those positions. And it was either like, it was, everybody was mechanical, uh, we want people to have their own opinion. We want people to uh, know what they're talking about when they're, say, taking orders from a table. Uh, you want to empower them to be able to take those decisions 
to make those recommendations themselves. Yeah, because when you ask somebody, like we were just having this, you know, with some friends I was discussing this earlier. When you ask somebody at Bombay Canteen, you know, can you recommend something? Like you actually going to take their opinion seriously yeah. because they know what they're talking about yeah. and they've actually tried it and they've liked it and that's why they're recommending it to exactly. you. Exactly. And if they personally don't like a particular dish, they'll tell you. That and I don't say, like it. Yeah. <laughs> but if you like this particular vegetable, maybe you might, yeah. you know. Um, a lot of the times when I'm training my team, especially at the cafe, it's like they're afraid of the guests. Yeah. You know, there's this fear like to talk to the guests and that's the one thing like, we're like, okay, you don't have to be afraid. <laughs> you can go and say, hey, what's up? You yeah. don't really have to get... We try and do our bit in kind of giving back to that uh, hospitality community. So we do something called a canteen class. Yeah, I was part of one of these. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we started it about uh, two years ago where we said uh, we've all been hotel management students or culinary students. We never get a chance to interact with like real world professionals in the industry. And uh, we are basically thrown into the deep end with knowing not what not. Uh, and there are like three roles you could take. You could either become a chef, you could become a FME manager or front office or whatever. Um, but there were, we wanted to narrow the divide between students and hospitality professionals. And so once a month, we kind of pick a certain topic related mm-hmm. to the industry, uh, invite hotel management students um, and kind of have that interaction where we get uh, about three or four professionals. Yeah. Uh, we had you on board for the, yeah, for the bakery, bakery mm-hmm. one, which is really fun. Um, and just like give them a real sense, like not hold back, no sugar coat. <laughs> <laughs> this sucks, guys. Do I remember? I remember uh, Rachel was there and you yeah. know, she's just like, this is shit <laughs> yeah and, and I mean, everyone I, was like oh we know as in they need to know the truth yeah uh, whether it's uh good news or bad news yeah yeah uh, it's, it's hard work and i think that no one really highlights that everything is like really rosy and absolutely and painted, really. um now we are in time today's age where i get career changers who want to come in yeah, yeah. and you all, get those as well all the well, time all the i'm time. a ca i'm you know yeah. i'm quitting my job i want to be in the kitchen i'm like but you just study five <laughs> years you know and so what do you tell people like that and a lot of people so who are listening to this the, f- the first thing i tell anybody whether they're 18 and want to get into cooking or whether they're 30 and have worked in some other industry and want to kind of switch over is that one you need to make an informed decision don't jump into it uh, so I always welcome people into our kitchen, yeah. um, even if they have zero experience, because I know there aren't many chefs who will do that. Yeah. Uh, they need to get a real sense of what it's like to work there. So I tell them to uh, do a stage, which is like a French term for spending a few days in the kitchen. Sometimes it's up to a month, uh, just working in the team, just experiencing what it's mm-hmm. like. Um, I think just having to stand for 10 hours yeah. itself is <laughs> tiring if you haven't done it yeah. before. Um, and then at the end of that term, I just said, okay, now, now how do you feel? Do you want to be doing this for the rest of your life? You know, um, and, uh, and that's kind of how we hire as well is, uh, we, we don't make them cook, uh, like a three course meal or, because that doesn't teach you anything about the person. Uh, what we do is these stages where you get a sense of how they, uh, work with the team, whether they're clean, whether they're organized, whether they have a decent amount of speed. Um, whether they just have a good attitude and so we hire for attitude we don't have a skill yeah, uh, I always yeah. believe that like you can teach someone anything but you can't change the attitude so yeah, yeah my so there's a running joke in our office that we hear every morning and it's like culture eats strategy for breakfast <laughs> so like if someone is not a cultural fit like yeah. you just so culture before everything absolutely else. okay so now so you have Bombay Canteen you've done all of this if I, if I have to ask you, you know, and I always like to sort of end with this, like what is 
your the what's the big dream you know like the the the, the ultimate sort of fantasy or goal or something that you are really you know hoping to achieve with your life what would that be so again uh, just having over the last 3 and 1/2 years it's gone deeper and deeper into uh, food in india and again i try and travel every 3 months to somewhere i've not been to before i have, an, I have a trip coming up next week to tamil nadu mm. like, uh, for a whole week um is that there is like we've always in this country looked towards the west for a lot of things not just for food um and taken inspiration from the west but if you just like travel around you'll see there's so much more in india um uh, and like not even a fraction of it is getting like showcased or explored anywhere and uh, i think at the bombay gani that's that's the same sense i got in the beginning that we are onto something um i think we have a lot in this country which has a potential to really you know you can build hundreds of restaurants out of what we have um we have in a, like in terms of produce in terms of uh ingredients techniques all of that and it's not getting uh any time to shine uh so that's why like about 6 months ago i randomly started this hashtag called indian food movement yes uh, and ask you have a ask chef yeah exact the ask chef the ask chef tzak was again for like culinary yeah, students people and people ask that. a lot of questions yeah. and uh, but the indian food movement is just uh, like yeah, sometimes you put pictures up of these vegetables and i am like what is this <laughs> like what is this vegetable exactly and yeah. like everybody like any hotel management student or culinary student in india knows what broccoli asparagus is yeah. yes. but if you ask them what what is forchi they're like for what for what what is it <laughs> exactly <laughs> um and for me as a chef like that's why i got into cooking to feed that curiosity yeah. that like learn new things every day and like i'm 32 now and i'm still discovering that's and i yeah <laughs> i've got about 10 years of experience and i'm still discovering <laughs> ingredients which i've never seen before yeah. like how insane is that um Yeah I think you you can be attributed to making Indian food cool again. So I'm just I'm just one of many many people. Uh, yeah. I think Chef Floyd Carter did it uh what <laughs> two or three decades ago. Yeah but I'm saying in India right like in Yeah in India and for the current generation the current I think generation. uh and I I don't think we've made Indian stop food being, cool. Stop being so modest like <laughs> No we've not made indian food cool i think i i what i'm trying to do is redefine what yeah. cool means uh yeah. now like me putting up a picture of forchi baji in maharashtra if i just put up a picture there's nothing cool about it people are like like what is that but yeah. if i'm saying okay i'm going to take this uh this monsoon green from maharashtra which is typically cooked with dried shrimp and do a dish with uh, like soft shell crabs then people yeah, are like, like oh, they wow. ears perk up yeah. um for me uh i don't i don't see in the last few years unfortunately we've had like tons and tons of modern indian restaurants open up but i don't see many of them either doing more around indian local produce mm-hmm. uh or kind of getting deeper into regional cuisine then i i kind of want to see that yeah that's a great goal to have <laughs> thank you so much for chatting with me today thomas thank you You just heard Chef Tizak on No Sugar Code. Come back next week as I talk to Chef Garima Arora of Restaurant Ga in Bangkok. We chat about why she pursued food, the struggles of being a vegetarian at Le Cordon Bleu, and working at the famous Noma and falling in love with Bangkok. No Sugar Code is a Made in India production. This episode is produced by Sharanya Subramanian, edited by Soundman. Studio setup by Apoorv Isaac, aka Lala. Sound equipment by Artiste Studios. Our theme music is Rhythm Maker by the band Haiku. For more information, check out madeinindia.in.